uh, I have a different, completely different, totally different respect for all you women. I've always loved you, always respected you, but I have a total different respect. I had two kidney stones. <laughs> and they tell me that having babies and kidney stones are Siamese twins. <laughs> and if that's true, God bless you women. God bless you. All right. I appreciate the opportunity of being here. Are, are we supposed to sit down now? Oh, I read my scripture. I, I, Whatever you want to do. Oh, okay, that's what I want to do. <laughs> Matthew chapter 14. Today we're going to look at a passage of scripture that is probably familiar with every one of us. But I think there's some, at least four basic principles here that will help all of us in our lives in serving the Lord Jesus. That's what we want to do, right? And I think these can help us. In Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse number 13. Now, what has happened, John the Baptist has been beheaded. Jesus has sent his disciples out into the country to preach and to teach the word of God. They've been on a, uh, an evangelistic trip. They've returned. Now we're right about the starting of the third year of the Lord's ministry. So that's where we pick this up in verse number 13. When Jesus heard, that's heard about John the Baptist. When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the city. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. Verse 15. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. He was from Florida. <laughs> Southern Florida. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fish. He said, bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took, uh, took the five loaves and the two fishes, looked up to heaven. He blessed and brake and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up of the fragments that remained twelve baskets full. And they that had eaten were about five thousand men, besides women and children. Father, how we thank you and how we love you. 
for loving us. And God, for just being faithful. You have faithfully loved us. You have faithfully forgiven us. You have faithfully blessed us. You have faithfully guided us and directed us. And Lord, we want to say to you this morning that we appreciate and we love you so much for being faithful and good to us. Bless this time we have together. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. you may be seated. I'm not sure totally of the weather. Not even sure of everything that was going on. But I know this. That the word had got out that Jesus was in, the, in town. And that Jesus was going apart to spend some time with his disciples. Now I think that's good. I think that that's needful uh, in all of our lives to just get apart with each other. The disciples had been all preaching. I'm sure they had been rejected at times. They would probably been really blessed at times. They had been received uh, enormously at times. But now... They were coming back, had come back, and they were with Jesus. And Jesus, recognizing that they needed now a little sabbatical, needed to get apart and to rest up, get their thoughts back together, and get everything lined back up in their lives. He goes apart to be with them. Didn't take long before the gossip got out. And the news was spread across town, across villages, one village to another, that Jesus was in the area and that Jesus had gathered himself together in a desert place. When that news got out, the crowd just began to come. And as they began to come to him, the Bible says that there was a lot of going and coming going on, a lot of frenzy going on in the area. And as they, this was happening, the disciples were there with him. Time came after Jesus had been preaching for probably hours. Uh, I've often thought that would be a great, a great thing to be able to do, to just go preach till you got finished. And till you got you a mess, whether everybody else had a mess or not. Uh, I, I, it's one thing I love about going to Haiti, praise God. We go over there and get to help uh, uh, teach and preach in Haiti with some pastors. And th- those people, whenever you get there, they, they'll walk five miles just to come to the service. And, and I mean that literally. On their feet, five solid miles, women carrying babies. Some men probably having kidney stones and uh, (laughs) about the same. And uh, they get there. And bless God, they are not interested in leaving. They're not interested in going to eat. Now, they like to eat. And we always try to have something for them to eat. But their main interest is preach the word of God to me. I need preaching, and they want you to preach to them. A lot of times, we, uh, in, in the very beginning, you know, I'd preach about 25 to 30 minutes, 
and then we'd have a break. And I noticed that everybody didn't get up and go to the bathroom. They just sat there. Finally, one day, one of the fellows said, you don't know anymore? And so I said, so that's the deal. So I got to where then I could just turn loose and preach. And literally, if I preached 45 minutes or if I preached an hour and 15 minutes or an hour and 30 minutes, they were glued like I am sometimes glued at the table when it's time to eat. They were glued to what you had to say. And I think that this is something that all of us Baptists, we need to kind of reevaluate sometimes. A lot of us get up and get dressed for church in hopes that we'll get there and get out of there pretty quick. Now, don't look at me like that. You know exactly what I'm talking about. In, in fact, in sometimes we don't even want to sit in the middle part of the row because yeah. we're afraid that ones next to us going to be crippled and they can't get out fast enough to, get, to let us out and to get gone. So anyhow, they'd been sitting there for a while, standing for a while. And the disciples came to Jesus and said, look, look, Jesus, you may have got caught up. Now, all of this is not in the Greek but it pretty much is. You, you got caught up in your preaching and teaching. Ha, have you noticed that it's late afternoon? We, we've all been here quite a while. I think what, what they were trying to say was, Jesus, we don't need to know everything you know in one day. We've been here quite a while, and these people here, they're hungry. You need to dismiss them. Let them go out in the villages out here, Fairview or wherever it might be, and get them up some vittles. That's fried chicken and rice and gravy and a biscuit with honey and some of that stuff and where they can have something to eat. Jesus said, ain't no point in that. Just go ahead and feed them. They said, but Lord, we we don't have but just five loaves of bread. And two little fishes. He said, that'll be all right. Just bring me what you've got. And I'll take care of it from there. So they brought it. He done exactly what he said. He said, now you set them down in fifties and hundreds. I'm not real sure what that was all about. But Jesus done it, so that's okay. Say Amen. Set them down in fifties and hundreds. Then Jesus blessed it, gave it to his disciples, and they went and distributed it to the uh, congregation. Now, folks, if your mind is where it ought to be this morning, you've already picked up on two or three things that's kind of rung your bell as I was telling this little story. A lot of times you'll come and you'll get something from the service. Well, the whole reason Brother Malcolm had been led by God to give you that is so that you can get that and go out and give it to somebody else. Say amen. Amen. That's the whole purpose of the situation. So Jesus fed the multitude, and God has always been interested in feeding people. Have you ever thought about that? 
I guess that one of the most natural things in our lives is to eat. People who have the character to lose weight has more character, I think, than, than anything else. I think it takes more character to do that because it's so natural to want to eat. But God has always been interested in feeding people, not only physical food, but spiritual food at the same time. E- Ezekiel condemned Israel's leaders and shepherds for not seeing that the people were fed, according to Ezekiel chapter 34. Isaiah in chapter 58 says, and it's very clear that God's people are to share their bread, whether that be spiritual bread or physical bread. Now let me stop here for just a moment and park for a second. All of us are, 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 are I'm, I'm a thinking so, I'm a thinking so. Do, do you have a lot of homeless people in and around Coleman that stand on the street corner want you to get I find myself in a real spiritual battle sometimes with that because I know about this scripture and I know that God is concerned about his people being fed and about the hungry being fed now I know that sometimes these folks that we see on the corner They are more healthy than you are or than I am. They could work and have something and give to somebody else, but they're not going to because some of them are just plain lazy. My problem is on the spur of the moment, I have a problem sometimes figuring out, is this one one of the sorry ones or is this one one of the ones that just plain had a bad break and he maybe has had kidney stones? or something that's got him down. But uh, I don't know what his problem is. And it's hard for me to know sometimes just exactly what to do on the spur of the moment. In fact, the other day, me and Sandra was going on the west side of Jacksonville, and this fellow standing out there on the corner, and he had a sign. And he said, I want a beer. <laughs> Immediately, I thought, I ought to help that guy. Seriously, it's such a refreshing thing to find somebody that's honest. This guy wanted a beer. And I've been told, just for your information, I've been told that if you have a kidney stone, (laughs) y'all been told that too, Blondie? This blonde-headed lady up here, you got to watch her. I can tell now. (laughs) She knows about these kidney stones. But I've been told that. Anyhow, it's hard for me to make a decision sometimes real quick. And I found myself having to turn around and go back and give them money. Then I found myself sometimes just going on by and feeling okay about it. But it's real hard sometimes to know what. I used to tell our staff, when in doubt, do too much. When in doubt, do too much. Should you visit that hospital? Should you take that family food? Should you help them financially? If you have a doubt, then do too much. God will never punish you for doing too much. Say amen.
Elijah in multiplying the widow's meal and oil. God in 1 Kings was concerned about people having food. Elisha multiplied the widow's oil, paid the bills, taking care of the family. Uh, It is necessary that you and I be open-minded to what God would have us to do. Four things I said that I want to share with us. One is, I want you to see the perception of the servants. Back up in your mind to the scripture we read and the recap that I gave you. The servants that I'm talking about are the disciples. They were there and they had their eyes open. They were watching what was going on. They had seen the people. I think maybe they had, some of them had heard the uh, folks' stomachs growling. Uh, some of them had maybe said something, man said to his wife, uh, I, I, I sure wish you'd have fixed us some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or something. And she said, I didn't have any idea we was going to stay here the rest of our life. And uh, they, they, they were perceptive. One of the sad things in our Christian lives is that a lot of us walk through life day by day and we never see what's going on around us. We never see that person that the Holy Spirit is trying to lead us to understand that they're lost and without God and that they need the Lord Jesus as their Savior and we're so in tune in what we're doing that we don't see what's going on around us. Now, brethren, there are people in your family, there are people at your jobs, there's people in your neighborhood, there are people uh, in your acquaintances, in your sphere of friends that need somebody to just come upside of them one day and put your arm around them and say, you know, I love you, I praise God for you, I'm praying for you, I'm here if you need me, I'm, I'm behind you, and I'm proud of you. Just encourage people sometimes. The perception of the servants. Now, folks, open your eyes that you may see what God has for us to see all around us. God wants us to live with the blinders off. Now, you know, we, uh, whenever you plow the mule, used to have old blinders on on the bridle. And that was to keep the mule from noticing what was on this side and what was on this side. When you and I get saved, those blinders need to come off and we need to see what is going on around us. God wants his disciples, his servants, to have their eyes open and to notice what's happening around them. Could you and I agree that we have, one of our needs is that we need to take the blinders off sometimes and not be so directly pointed ahead that we don't see what's going on around us. There are people all over the place that are in trouble. There are people that are hurting. There are people that are sick. There are people that are suffering. There are people that are having financial problems. And bless God, you can believe this. There are more people today. Now, I think people have probably more money, uh, a lot of people do, than they've ever had in their life and that any generation's ever had. But there's a lot of people in America today, folks, that $300 that you and I could do without one month would really help change their entire life and make a difference in their life. And it may be somebody in your family. It may be somebody in your sphere. 
Uh, I had a fella call me the other day and say to me, he said, uh, I, I just want you to know this, that I was in a real night. Uh, th- th- this fellow's a farrier. He shoes horses and trims horses for a living. He got kicked in the kneecap and broke his knee. And he was laid up for a long time. And uh, <clears throat> come to find out, my son found out about it and sent him some money. And that fella, you don't know Noam, but that fella and my son had been at a TIFF for probably three to five years. Nothing real bad. The other guy knew what he was mad about. My son Derek didn't know what, he, what the guy was mad about. He just knew he was mad. So Derek heard about it. Sent the guy some money. And the fellow called him. He said, I've been needing to do this a long time. I'm real sorry for the way I've acted. Derek said, I didn't know what the problem was. He said, it doesn't matter what the problem is. I was wrong. That was at a time in that fellow's life that it may turn his whole family around. The perception of the servants. Verse 15. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a desert place. Derek's mama, she'll be all upset with me about blowing my nose. (laughs) But she hadn't had any kidney stones. (laughs) She just don't know how to be sympathetic. This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. Folks, could I encourage you today? Open your eyes. Take the blinders off. See what's going on around you. And see if just maybe a chocolate cake might really help somebody. Maybe a $20 bill would be a blessing to them. Maybe if you'd just taken the time and shared with them about Jesus. You know, if you're, if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior and you hear us talking about sharing about Jesus, listen, I didn't understand that either one day. I just knew that I was a sinner. Nobody had to convince me that I'd sinned. I was a sinner. I knew I did not deserve anything but judgment. But somebody taking the time and told me that Jesus had died, was buried and resurrected to pay God for my sins. And I thought to myself, whoo, what a deal. When they explained, you don't have to do anything about it. 
Now, I'd never had anybody pay any debt for me. I mean, really. But Jesus did. And if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, He'll forgive you of every sin you've committed. He'll even forgive you for those you're going to commit. And if you'll believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus died, was buried and resurrected as the payment for your sins, He'll forgive you of your sins and He'll save you right now if you'll ask Him. Number two, the participation of the Savior. When I was outlining this, and I kind of got to that, I had me one of them Pentecostal fits. I mean, I was upstairs I, uh, in, in, in the, my bedroom where my little office is. I was up there studying and getting this together, and it dawned on me that my next point ought to be the participation of the Savior. That God in heaven, the creator of the universe, he who stepped out of nowhere and stood directly on nothing, commanded everything to come into existence, was wanting to get involved in what I was doing. Wow, what a Savior. God wants to be involved in your life as well. Verse 16 and 17. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. Now I'm telling you, God wants to be involved in your life. Our problem is that we don't let God get involved in our lives. Many times we we, we get it all planned out. Have you ever had... Your day just planned out. You knew exactly what you was going to do. You knew where you were going to go. And then all of a sudden, somebody just blows your day up. And you're just in a tizzy. You don't know whether you're washing or hanging out. You're just in a tizzy. Jesus wants to be involved in what you're doing. Don't get such a tight schedule that you don't have room and have time for God to just come and get involved. Uh, we, we had a missionary that we used to support. He has since died and gone to heaven. But his name was Carlos Demers. He was with Barren Precious Seed. One time I went to El Paso, Texas to help him to build a, a building to where he could bring uh, <clears throat> Christians in just before they crossed the line going into Mexico for mission trips. And we are in the... Uh, Hardware store. And Brother Demers, we were in a big hurry to get back and to get started. We had some men there waiting on us, and we were really in a tight for time. Well, I I lost Brother Demers, the missionary. I couldn't find him in the store. And this is, the Lord knows it's the total truth. I hear something over all the noise in the store. And I hear somebody over there hollering down or or out loud. Oh, God, would you take this Mexican and forgive him of all of his sins? And would you save him in the name of Jesus? And it's just ringing out all over the store. 
Well, Brother Denver's had gone over there to get some foundation cord where we could lay out the battle box uh, and, and get the lines drawn up and get the thing square. And he'd found him somebody that didn't know Jesus. He didn't know the guy's name, but he knew he was from Mexico, so he just figured he was a Mexican. So Brother Demers, he just had talked to that guy about Jesus, and right in the middle of all of our time that we were pushed for time, we were in a tizzy, we needed to get back, Brother Demers had just made time for God because God wanted to get involved. God had opened the door and the opportunity for Brother Demers to witness to this man and to lead him to Jesus. And he didn't care where he was at or what he was doing. His main thing was he wanted to get this guy saved. Can I get an amen? Amen. I'm telling you, Jesus wants to be involved in our lives. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, he says, Casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. Whatever your care is today, Jesus wants to get involved. You may be caring about a a sick aunt or sick uncle, or maybe somebody's just passed away in your family. Maybe you've just gotten some bad news from the doctor. Whatever it is, you can cast your cares upon Jesus because Jesus cares for you. He wants to be involved in our lives. In uh, Psalms chapter 118 and verse number 6, the Bible says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what can man do unto me. Some of you need to take that verse home with you. And you need to read that again because you're scared to death of what's going to happen here, there, or yonder, or what they're going to say or what they're going to do. I'm just here to tell you that God has it all under control if you'll just let him get involved in your lives they went to Jesus and immediately Jesus got involved in the situation and taking charge uh, in, in uh, Isaiah chapter 43 the Bible says when thou passest through the waters I will be with thee and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee when thou walkest through the fire Thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Jesus is with us no matter what the problem is, no matter how, fi- how hot your fire is, no matter how the flames may be raging, no matter how the waters may be flooding in, in your life, I'm telling you, God is there to get involved in your life and to help you to get through it. Can I get an Amen. And Fairview, you need to understand that and remember that, that no matter what's going on, God wants to be involved in your life. He wants to care for you. He wants to meet your needs. He does love you. He will meet your needs. There is nothing impossible with God. All things are possible with Christ. All you've got to do is cast all your cares upon him because whenever the river is raging and the fire is the flames are flaming, you can rest assured he can get you through whatever the problem is. Jesus had an answer. God wants to participate in our lives. Number three, the provision of the saints. This is a good thing. You see, God will use you 
in your talent, no matter how big it is, no matter how small it is. The provision of the saints. That morning, I'm not sure what the deal was. Maybe this boy's daddy had a job he couldn't get away from. Maybe his mama had young babies there at the house and she couldn't leave. But apparently this little lad, he wanted to go to church. He wanted to go where Jesus was. Maybe the woman had been to some of Jesus' meetings. I'm not sure. Maybe she knew he was long-winded. And she said, look here, son. You're going to need a sandwich. You're going to need something to eat. When you go off over there now, if you go with that bunch of disciples and uh, over there, it ain't going to be no 10-minute deal. Now, you need to get you something and take it with you. Folks, God wants us to be able or, or to, to recognize the provisions that we have. You and I have more at our disposal than we recognize sometimes. You may not have the talent that your pastor has. You may not have the talent that, that Brother Jaden has. You may not have the talent that some of these others in the church have. But bless God, you do have a talent. And God can use your talent if you'll just let God have the provisions that are in your life. I'm telling you, God can take them and meet the needs of other people. True story. Harvest Baptist Church. We were about 10 years old. We had a bus ministry. We had planned on having a big bus day. I think the figure, if I'm not mistaken now, we were planning on having about 350 to eat, kids and all, that came on the bus ministry. That morning, whenever the uh, buses got there, we had a little over 550 people. We didn't have time to go to the store and get something else. They come run into my office just before Sunday school time and said, Preacher, I don't know what in the world we're going to do, but if the, bus, the other buses come in like these first four or five have, we're going to have lots of folks here to eat today. What in the world are we going to do about food? We've got enough food for 350. I got with Johnny Holman, our bus director, and we began to pray. We went on and had Sunday school. I preached at church. After church, we met in the park that we were going to meet with all the kids at. We had the food we laid out for 350 people. We prayed over it. And I'm telling you, in the pulpit today, Fairview, listen to me. In, I'm in the pulpit. And uh, we, we had the food all laid out. We prayed over it again. And Brother Malcolm, I don't know what happened, but all them youngins, they started coming, getting their vittles. And it's coming by them table. And some of them boys was getting two hot dogs at the time. I was sweating it. I was thinking to myself, son, you need some manners. You're supposed to, you, you just get one hot dog till everybody's got a hot dog. And, and, and Lord, how mercy, leave them tater chips alone. Get you just a handful, not the whole bag, you know. Because we, we're praying. I've got great faith in God, but we're fixing to run out. I mean, I've asked God to multiply this and make it enough, but I know he ain't, see? So I, I was worried about getting a hold of it myself. Well, I promise you, fed every one of them youngins 
all of the adults, all of the bus workers that had showed up over there, and we got through, we still had grocery bags full of stuff. Now, I don't understand that. I'm not real sure how that worked. I just know that they kept it coming and it kept going and going and going and going. And if you'll give God that little bit of tithe that you've got, maybe then a whole lot. But you give God what's his and quit stealing from him. And you'll be surprised how God will get involved in your finances and you won't have any idea. But it'll come. I mean, you've seen that with the, the, the little church houses in it. Church house. There's what? I can't hear what he's saying, but what, whatever it is. Church boxes. Uh, that's it. Church boxes. You taken some of them, didn't you? Some of you. You didn't have the money to give. But somehow, you were able to give. Do you remember how good it felt whenever that thing was full? <laughs> and you knew you didn't do it? But that God had taken what little you did have and had multiplied it and multiplied it and multiplied it. The provision of the saints. I'm telling you, God always has enough in his saints and his saints always have enough to meet the need in the church of God. Number four. The performance of the supernatural. 5,000 people. Men. Plus the women and the children. Now, I don't know how many that is, but I, I'm, I'm going to take a, I'm going to take a preacher guess. Seven to five hundred, ten thousand, maybe total. Preacher, would you go along with ten thousand if we... You'd go along more than that. Yeah. Yeah. Probably so. Because they didn't have birth control. Okay. I'm going to go with the preacher. I'm going to go 15,000. A lot of youngins. And God taking five loaves of bread and two fishes. Now, I saw some of the fish that the preacher had the other day. Biggins. But you couldn't cut them fish up in small enough pieces to feed 15,000 people. God performed a supernatural miracle in that God taking almost nothing and fed 15,000 people with it 
And when they got through, every tribe of Israel had a basket full left over for themselves. Wow, what a God. Is God awesome or what? Can God do anything or what? I mean, just look at some of us. I mean, in, in, in this building right here this morning, there's bound to be three or four in here that you, you were about sorry as they come. And God forgave you, saved you, and made something out of you. Isn't that a supernatural miracle? I mean, some of you, some of you men are saved when your wife didn't think you could ever get saved. But by the grace of God, God performed a miracle in your life. In, in fact, some of you have seen God touch your children and heal your kids whenever a doctor said nothing could be done. Whenever a doctor said in your life nothing could be done. And then you go back and you find that, well, maybe he, he says, well, maybe, maybe the x-rays was wrong. You know, it was there, but now it's not there. Maybe it was somebody's fingerprint on there that messed the x-ray up. Not at all. A supernatural God performed a supernatural uh, event in a, a, a person's life, and God ought to get the credit for it. <clears throat> Amen. Jesus just said, bring me what you have and watch what I can do with it. This morning, could I encourage you? Just bring to God what you have. He can perform a supernatural miracle if you'll just turn it over to Him. This morning, your sins may be many. Your life might be in a wreck. But I know a Jesus who can heal the brokenhearted, can lift up the fallen, can encourage the down and out. And he's here for us today. If we just turn our lives over to him.